The following message is brought to you by Morgan Hill Bible Church. For all things MHBC, connect with us on social media and check us out online at mhbible.org. Before we before we jump in um, to the message today, just a quick a quick update for you as our church family um, on some things. So as you are, I'm sure, aware, uh, the county in which we are in instituted a mask indoor mask mandate again this week. And so I know a lot of you have been asking me and other pastors, hey, what's the plan? What's the plan with things? And so we we've kind of waited to see and just wanted to give you some clarity. And then I think more importantly, let you know why we're doing what, what we believe. God's leading our church to do it this season. So for right now, for clarity, just so you know, we are planning on staying outdoors for the foreseeable future for our Sunday worship gatherings. We have this beautiful courtyard that was built well before COVID that God in his providence said, hey, build a beautiful courtyard because you're going to need it someday. And you don't even know what you're going to need it for, right? And we've we've done stuff to make this a great setting. We're going to continue to hopefully add some improvements that you may see a little bit of new things here and there as you come over the future weeks. But just so you know, our plan on Sunday Sundays is going to be continued to be outdoors. Um, we're also in California and it's beautiful out, right? I mean, we have some good options here, people, and not a lot of places do. So, so there's that. And then the why. why. Why are we staying outside? Well, it's our right to, well, I would just say this. Our mission as a church is to connect people in a vital relationship with Jesus. And we can complain that other places don't have those restrictions, other states, other counties. You know, you can go 20 miles down the road and oh, well, they can't. Well, that's, that's okay. God's placed us here in Santa Clara County in Morgan Hill. And this is where we're trying to reach. We're not trying to be a church for another state or for another place. This is our mission field where God has placed us. And we feel like it allows us to have the best opportunity to connect people who aren't yet here into a relationship with Jesus by worshiping together outdoors and not by going indoors as of yet. So that's the why. So if you have people like, ha, your church is scared. They're not... No, we're not scared. Our God's sovereign, he's in control. Why are we doing this? Because we want people to meet Jesus and that's why we're staying outside. If you have more questions, please feel free to reach out to us. But I just wanna give you some clarity as you're kind of wondering, well, what are, what are we thinking as a church going forward? Let me, let me pray for us real quick before we dive into our sermon today. God, we do thank you even as we have sung today for your presence with us through each and every circumstance of life and how that above all things matters to us and should matter through the difficulties and the trials that come. God, would you be with us now as we open your word together? We pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. For those of you sitting over here, if I turn this way, it's not that I hate you, but it's just the wind picks my mic up really hard. So don't take it personally if I, if I turn this way a little bit more this morning, all right? So I love all of you over here, all right? Just say, okay, we're good, we're good, all right, all right. So just wanted to make sure, don't want any hurt feelings or anything, all right. So several years ago, uh, my, my wife and I, we were headed out on a, on a kind of a two-week long kind of road trip seeing several of the beautiful places that there are to see in our country. And we had gone camping several times and we had set up our campsite that night. It was, I think, the first or second night of our trip right outside Mount Rushmore in the Black Hills of South Dakota. It's such a beautiful area, right? We got the tent set up. We're ready to go. It's, you know, evening's approaching, dark is coming. So, so we're in the tent and then I hear in the distance a rumble of thunder, 
And I start to think to myself, you know, we've used this tent before. We've gone camping. It's never rained before when we've camped. And any of you who have gone tent camping know, right? They say, oh yeah, this tent's waterproof. No water will get in. But you don't really aren't quite sure until you get through that first rainstorm, right? And so we're, we're in our tents and man, I don't know if I was exaggerating or not, but like, it felt like it was sheets of water coming down, not drops. It was one of those where it was like, you felt like the thunder and lightning were hitting at the exact same time. And you're like, did something just hit my tent? Like what is going on? It was just horrid rain, just pounding down. And we stayed dry. Oh, we stayed dry. And I'll tell you what, the rest of that trip, we hit some other storms that we had some bad, some bad weather, but guess what? We went into it and we're like, hey, we are going to stay dry because this tent works as it should. It gave us assurance into the future, right? Because we're like, hey, this is going to work. So you can say that tent is waterproof, but the truest test of it, right, is when it goes into a storm, does it actually hold up? See, the truest test of something is when it encounters difficulties and challenges and obstacles and circumstances. And tonight, we're going to see, tonight, this morning, tonight, this morning, it's not even 10 o'clock. This morning, we're going to see these assurances that Jesus gives us in the storms of life. Well, what assurances do we have? Because we face obstacles and difficulties and challenges in our lives. What assurances does Jesus give us as we're going to look at this story that's a well-known story from the Gospel of John of Jesus coming in the storm? So if you have your Bible this morning, would you open them, please, to the Gospel of John? That's your fourth book of the New Testament. John chapter 6. John chapter six, if you've been here with us, we are working through the seven sign miracles in the gospel of John. This week is number five, and we are picking up right where we left off last Sunday, if you were here with us, where Jesus turned the, the bread and, and the loaf into, and the fish into feeding 5,000 people. And immediately after that, in verse 15 and then the 16, this story comes. So this is literally the same night. All right, the feeding of the 5,000 happened that morning, afternoon. This is now picking up that same very day in the evening. Verse 16. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It would have been from where they were, most likely a six to seven mile journey across the Sea of Galilee. It was now dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. So it's now late in the evening. Darkness has come. Jesus had planned to meet them, right, over, <clears throat> over at their destination. He had gone up onto the mountain to pray, sent his disciples across the, the sea. Verse 18, the sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing, kind of like what's blowing into my microphone right now, but probably even stronger than that. This, this area of the Sea of Galilee, as we mentioned last week, was right in between two mountainous areas, and it was actually 600 feet below sea level, the Sea of Galilee is. And so it's very common that when the winds shift, that the air pushes over and, and hard storms fall over the Sea of Galilee. But the, the fishermen, the, the disciples were fishermen, lots of them, before they became. So you can just experience, they're, they're tough guys, they're out in the water, they're like, we got this, we know what's going on. But this first assurance that I love here, it's, it's hard to see even in how John portrays it here, but this first assurance that we see in this passage for us in the storms of life is this, is that often Jesus guides us into the storm. 
Often in our life, Jesus guides us into the storm. See, we know this because this story in John's gospel is also told us in Matthew 14 and Mark 6. And in both of those, it starts out by saying Jesus made his disciples get into the boat or Jesus compelled his disciples to get in and go across the sea. The disciples were on the Sea of Galilee because Jesus told them to go out onto the Sea of Galilee. They were walking in perfect obedience to what God had called them to, and they found themselves immediately stuck in the middle of this storm. See, difficult circumstances in our lives don't mean that we are walking outside of obedience. Oftentimes, walking in obedience to God leads us right into difficulty. See, Jesus promised a lot of things about what life would be like following him. If you're, a, if you're a child of God, if you're a Christian, Jesus promised a lot of things about life. He promised that in Jesus, you would have abundant life, that you would have good life, that your life would experience such freedom, that you would experience true joy. But the one thing that Jesus never promised us as followers of him is that life would be easy. Jesus never promises us an easy life but man, it doesn't sell well today, does it? Like, wouldn't it be like, hey, if you come to Jesus, you'll have an easy life, all your problems would be solved. Then I'd be like, all right, where are we going? Let's go, let's sign up for this thing, right? And it does, and if someone tries to sell that to you, that, oh, Jesus will just make your life easy and all your problems will disappear, they both haven't read the Bible and haven't lived much of life because it's just simply not true. But here's the thing, the good life that Jesus offers us doesn't even mean it's easy, but often in our lives, things that are good aren't easy to begin with, right? Often things that are good are not easy. Kids, I hate to break it to you. You're starting school this week, most of you. I know, right? Summer is over. It's, it's a good thing to try and get good grades at school this year. Doesn't mean it'll be an easy thing though. It might take a lot of work. If you're like me, you've watched a lot of the Olympics last couple things. It's a good thing to win an event or to win a medal. It's not an easy thing. You want to have a good marriage. What does it necessarily mean it's going to be easy work to have a good marriage? See, these things of easy and good are kind of dichotomies we've made in our mind that aren't actually true. See, it's hard for us often when difficult circumstances come our way, when our own ease and comfort is disrupted, to see the good in it because we as human people are so focused on the immediate context. We're so focused on what's right in front of us. All of us have this tendency, especially in difficulty, to focus on short-term thinking, right? We just want life right now. We want it to feel better today. We don't think forward to the future. I read a few... I think it was a few years ago, a study that showed kind of this, uh, this what I think is kind of a funny understanding of, of how as human nature, we have this horrible thing of short-term thinking versus what long-term is best for us. It was a study done by an investment group into which portfolios, investment portfolios are the most successful. And they found, they said that the ones in their portfolios that they held over the most successful of people who either forgot they had it or who were dead. Okay, they, they totally forgot it was there dead. And they said, why, why is that the case? They said, because lots of people see what happens in the market and they panic and they adjust and they take stuff and they move stuff around and they're like, oh no, this is gonna drop. So I have to move it here and I have to take this. And they try and mess with everything. And it's like, hey, the best thing is just to, to let it go. 
to let it be long-term. Now, that is not always the best financial advice. Do not blame me if your investments drop tomorrow that I'm not an investment banker, all right? But they were saying that in theirs, that's how it is. And they're saying, because so often we panic in the short term and it hinders us from thinking long-term ahead. See, we are all so prone to overreact to short-term, right? We eat one piece of celery, step on the scale and say, well, that diet's going nowhere. Might as well go to In-N-Out. Right. What's going on? I ate a piece of celery. Surely this will help. No, right? We, we want short-term solutions. Friends, don't confuse a lack of immediate results in your life with the consequences of long-term obedience to God. Don't confuse the immediate difficulty in your life with what it would look like if you continue to pursue and obey God, not for a day, not for a month, not for a year, but for a lifetime. See, we need to remind ourselves in the storms of life that Jesus often guides us into the storms. And so we need to remind ourselves of the long view of life. That this life that we have, these moments we have are very short and exceptionally short when we think of eternity. The apostle Paul, who went through so much hardship and difficulty as he traveled around and told people about Jesus, writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. He says this, so we do not lose hearts. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction, this is a man who was beaten, imprisoned, almost died multiple occasions. This light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. The things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. What Paul is saying is, hey, if I just focus in right here, I become so consumed with my life. But when I begin to step back and see what Jesus may do, not for my life now, but for all of eternity, it gives us a different perspective. See, Jesus often will guide us into the difficulty and the storms of life. And the reality is the storm you are in today may well be preparing you for the future God has for you. The storm you find yourself in right now may well be preparing you for something God has in store for you in the future and you are exactly where God wants you to be. And so as Paul encourages us, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart in those difficult seasons as the disciples were out there paddling in the dark, wondering what's going on. Is this where we're supposed to be? Don't lose heart when difficulty comes our way. Obedience to Jesus includes heading into these storms of life because this is right where Jesus sent the disciples. Verse 19. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they're about halfway kind of stuck in the middle almost, you could picture them. Three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat and they were frightened. Just picture this, right? Here's a bunch of guys, it's pitch dark out. There's no like lights on the boat or anything. And suddenly they see Jesus walking across the water to them and they are utterly terrified, right? They have no idea what is coming. They are scared. But the second assurance that we have in the storms is this, is that Jesus sees us in the storm. Jesus sees us in the storm. See, the disciples were in the dark. 
They felt all alone. They were working hard and they were getting nowhere. And Jesus wasn't out on the Sea of Galilee, like wandering around. Like, hey, where are they? I told them to go, where did that storm push? Now, Jesus saw them the whole time. Jesus knew right where they were. It wasn't some accident that Jesus happened to show up to them right at that moment, exactly where he wanted to. See, the disciples had felt alone out there, but Jesus saw them the entire time. He knew right where they were. See, there's times in life where we don't see what God is doing, right? And it shouldn't come to us as, as too surprising. Hebrews 11 chapter one tells us this, that, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, not seen. Our faith is rooted upon belief in things that we cannot yet see with our eyes. But it is still challenging when difficulty comes and we cannot see what God is doing. Have you ever felt kind of like those disciples there out on the Sea of Galilee? You're working as hard as you can, but you feel alone and in the dark to what God is doing. Exhausted. God, what are you doing? We can take comfort in those moments. Then when we don't see Jesus, he sees us. Even when you don't see Jesus, he sees you. And that allows us to take great comfort in our trials. When our daughter Aria was just a baby, two, three, four months old, one of the, the regular places that we would place her, often in the afternoons for whatever reason, is we had a swing in our house. One of those swings where you would put your baby in, kind of strap them on, and it would give them a nice swing. There was a little mirror up above, and babies love looking at themselves in the mirror, right? She just smiles at herself. And eventually in the mirror, as it kind of rocks her back and forth in this swing, eventually she would take a nap. And then once she would fall asleep, myself or my wife, Kristen, we would kind of scoot out of the room where the swing was in because we didn't want to wake, make any sound and we would let, let her sleep. And she would take naps and she's a great napper. She always has been. She would sleep for a long time. But it always was the same when Ari was little, sleeping in the swing. The moment she woke up, and we, we have this on video a couple of times, the moment she wake up, she would go like this and look around and she would see no one and just start screaming. Just, right? Because she's woken up, this three-month-old, and she's like, my parents have abandoned me. They have locked me into this swing, and they have left the house. They've abandoned me for life. Here I am. No one is here. I cannot see anything. I, all I can do is utterly scream out in terror because I'm here all alone. When what's the reality? We knew right where she was. We were right next door. We had a, a video monitor on her so we could even see her through. We, we saw her the whole time. And there was always this fun game that we would play as she's kind of crying, as she's waking up, what's going on? We would poke our head around the corner and go, hi. And she'd go, ha, ah, ah. <laughs> It would turn from utter terror to just a smile, just like that. Why? Because when she realized that she was seen by her parents, it changed everything. See, it's frustrating when we're in the dark we cry out to God. We don't know what he's doing, what's going on. But what matters most in our life is not if you can see God, but if God can see you. What matters most is not, can you see God? But what matters most is, does God see you? And if you are a child of God, you are never alone. God sees you in each and every moment, each and every struggle, each and every circumstance of your life. The author of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 13, for he has said, I will never leave you 
nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? God is my helper. I will not fear because he will never leave me or forsake me. See, it's amazing what you can face in life when you know you're not going through it alone, right? There's things that if you have to go do it on your own, you would be utterly terrified. But if you've just got one friend, one partner to come with you, you're like, we got this because I'm not by myself. There's two of us. We can do this together. But friends, for those of you who are children of God this morning, that's how we can approach every single day of our lives because the Holy Spirit dwells within you. You can approach with confidence every single day of your life because you are never alone. God is with us. God sees you and is with you. And it gives us a confidence in the midst of the storm because God sees us. Not a confidence or an arrogance of our own abilities of what we can do, but a confidence that comes with knowing we are not abandoned. We are never alone. Jesus sees us. Just as those disciples were always seen, always known, and Jesus showed up to them exactly when he wanted. So he shows up to the disciples and they are frightened. Verse 20, but he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. I love these like subtle little miracles that Jesus does that like don't get any attention. Hold on, so Jesus gets in the boat and they're like three miles from shore and then they blink. Oh, and they're on the, and they're on the coast, right? You're like, wait, what? Yeah, that's, that's Jesus, right? He can, do, he can do a lot of different miracles, right? But so they, they bring him into the boat and he tells them, it is I, do not be afraid. See, the third assurance we have in our storms is that Jesus reveals himself in the storms. Jesus reveals himself and who he is in the storms of life. Notice what happens when Jesus reveals himself to them. They go from being frightened and scared to being glad. They were glad to take him into the boat. Immediately, this, was, this changed. And what's amazing is their fear to gladness changed immediately, but the storm was still swelling, right? As soon as they realized, as soon as Jesus revealed himself to them, their attitude changed, even though their circumstances hadn't yet changed because Jesus had revealed himself. See, what we need in our storms most is not relief from our storms. That's what we often pray for. We pray for relief, but what we need in our storms is to realize who God is in the midst of our difficulty. We need to see who God is in the midst of the challenge that we have. And then when God is revealed to us, it changes us, even if it doesn't change the circumstance in which we find ourselves. Jesus says to the disciples, it is I. Could be a simple way of saying, hey, yo, it's me you know me. Hey, it's me. It's me. Oh, okay. It's you. But it is I is also the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament name for God, Yahweh, which it says, I am. This is the Greek translation of that. And this begins in the gospel of John. In the next several chapters, Jesus uses this, this same statement. It is I, this phrase to start to reveal more and more about who he is to his disciples and to his followers. In the gospel of John, right after this, he tells his followers that he is, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. 
I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. All these I am statements come from Jesus in the gospel of John after this, where he reveals himself as the I am to his disciples. See, Jesus in this statement is likely more than just saying, hey, I'm here. He's saying, hey, God is here. I am here and God is here because I am the son of God. See, he reveals himself to them in the midst of their storms. Because in the storms of life is where we get to know Jesus like how we never did before. It's when we walk through difficulty with Jesus that we get to know him in a way that we never would have experienced otherwise. Just like how when you walk through difficult or trying circumstances with someone, it deepens that relationship that you have with them. As I was thinking of this concept this week, my mind shifted back to a, a documentary, a miniseries, not a documentary, a miniseries that was already done 20 years ago called Band of Brothers. And if you've seen it, you remember it well, most likely. It's the, it's the story of Easy Company, America, or the Army's 101st Airborne Division during World War II. And what I loved about this series is it didn't just focus on one person or the other or tell the story of one person, but the focus of the series was on this incredible bond that happened between this men because of the circumstances, some of the most horrendous and trying circumstances that any human could ever face. And the true love and joy and compassion they had for one another. When you watch the interviews of the, the actual men who lived through it, the camaraderie that they had because they had gone through things together that no one else had and those difficult circumstances brought them together in such an astounding way. See, we enjoy good times in our lives. We should, we should enjoy good times. But it's in those trying moments, in those difficult times where we learn things and we walk with God and we experience him and we become knit to him in a way that we never could have otherwise. So I went perhaps the man in the Bible who experienced more suffering than anyone else, whose name is Job, said at the end of all of it, he said this, my eye, my, I had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Through his suffering, he saw something deeper and truer about Jesus, about God, that he never would have experienced otherwise. So if you're in the storm of life right now, what difficulty, what circumstance do you find yourself in? The question is this, what can you learn of Jesus right now that you would have never seen before? What can you learn of Jesus right now that you never would have seen before because of the trial, the difficulty that you are walking through? A well-known theologian whose name is Nicholas Wolterstorff many years ago lost his 25-year-old son to a tragic mountain climbing accident. And he documents his, his feelings and his emotions in his well-known book, Lament for a Son. And in that book, he says something that I'll, I think I'll paraphrase it, but he basically says, we see things, when I look at the world through tears, I see things that dry-eyed I could not see. When I look at the world through tears, I see things that dry-eyed I could not see. When we look to Jesus in our pain, in our tears, in our hardship, we see things about him that in the good we could never have seen. So where is Jesus revealing himself to us in our lives? 
What are we going through right now that Jesus can show himself something true and meeting us right now that otherwise we would have never seen before? See, Jesus never promised any of us an easy life. But what assurances does he give us? That he will often guide us into the storms. That he sees us in these storms and that he reveals himself to us in the storms. God, we thank you for your presence with us. God, we thank you that you see us. No matter our situation, no matter how alone we may feel today. God, I'm sure there's someone sitting here right now, physically present. There's someone at home watching right now who just feels so desperately alone. God, I pray that your spirit would comfort them right now. That they would sense your presence and know you are here with them with whatever they are going through. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us anew and afresh as we walk and journey through life. As we go through trial and suffering, would we not miss the opportunities to see more of who you are, your love, your grace, your faithfulness, your compassion to us. We thank you for your faithfulness through each and every storm of our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation with us on social media. Never miss a message and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.